instant, my in, as soon as she asked me, you know, to hold me accountable for the things she had asked me to do, the very first thing I defaulted to is making an excuse. Well, I had to watch the game. I mean, Michigan's undefeated this year. Michigan is uh, ranked number two, first time in a long, long time. Had to celebrate that. That's a couple hours. I had to go catch up and binge on Flash. So a lot of times, I feel like we default to making excuses, and it goes all the way back to the garden. If you guys will turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 11 through 13. And it says, and I'm reading out the New Living Translation. Who, now, just quickly to where we're at in the scripture, is also an Adam and Eve bit the apple, sin entered the world, uh, they went hiding because God came through the garden and God's like confronts Adam and this is what happens. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Then man replied, now you think you're talking to God, the creator of the universe right here. He knows all. You, you should know that excuses are not going to work on this guy, right? On God. But look at what Adam does. It was the woman, excuses, it was the woman, and then here's the next excuse, you gave me. First he blames the woman, and then he blames God for uh, eating the apple for his own mistake. And then the women, you guys aren't out of it neither. It says, then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And then here's what the woman said, the serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. So excuses goes all the way back to the garden, something we each one of us deals with. And I feel like oftentimes when faced with to be held accountable for our actions, for certain things that we're called to, that God calls us to, and our treasure, and our time, and what we'll be talking today about, our talent, that we automatically go to default mode and make excuses. So God has given each one of us a gift or a talent so that you can fulfill the call that God has placed on your life. So I want today to talk about five excuses in regarding our talents and our gifts that God has given us. And the very first excuse is I'm not good at anything. That's like, I hear this all the time with the youth, especially when I'm trying to get them to do something. I'm not good at anything. Or like when I'm trying to, here's kind of off topic, but I'll be like, invite your friends to youth group. Oh, I have no friends. What an excuse. I have no friends. I'm not your friend. Jeez. But um, I'm not good at anything. Sometimes I, I feel like we make that excuse when we're standing next to someone who has like a lot of talent. It's like if uh, I like to play basketball. I still do. I played it in uh, high school. And I remember I... Went to different schools, started at Benzie, and then I and there was a, on my way to my last school, which was Brethren, I was at Sutton's Bay. And they had a student there. I thought I was good at basketball, but there was a student there that actually went and played for Michigan State University. And I remember never being dominated by someone so bad. I mean, I've, I made it my lifetime goal never to be dunked on, and this kid had no problem going over me to dunk. No problem. And I remember thinking that, Man, I thought I was good, but next to this guy, I'm nothing. And I, I remember um, we, just last week, we had that mandatory worship meeting. And there's, you know, they were showing us the application for anybody who wants to apply to be on the worship team. And one of the things was, 
how how good are you on your instrument? And it was one to ten. And I was thinking, I told Pastor Brandon, I'm like, man, if I'm comparing myself to like some like Slash, some ACDC stuff, some of those guys, I'm thinking, I'm going to put myself down, or Steve Vai, or one of my favorite, Joe Saccharone. You guys have to YouTube him. But I'll put myself down about a two or a three next to those guys. So sometimes we feel like we don't have any gifts when we're standing next to these people who are amazing at that gift. And if you guys will with me, First Peter chapter 4, 10 through 11. And this is talking about the, the excuse that we don't have any gifts. First Peter chapter 4, 10 through 11, and it's the New Living Translation. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great priority of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Look at that. That's a gift right there. You, you ever uh, have that friend that just can't shut up? I remember I had tons of those friends. Actually, there's a lot of youth that just can't shut up. Now I know why God has gifted them to speak. Then, if we continue to read, it says, Then speak as through Pastor Neil is gifted to speak. He grabs his mic, right? No offense, Pastor Neil, but he loves to speak. He can just, like last week, I had to rip this mic from him. He just loves to speak and talk to you guys. We're, he's gifted at speaking. Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So that scripture verse is telling us that God has given each one of you a gift. You might think that you have no gifts, but it's either that what God says is true or it's not. And God's saying right at the beginning there, it says God has given each of you a gift to benefit others. Each of us has a gift to benefit others. So the excuse I'm not good at anything is a lie that Satan tries to feed you to undermine your gift that he has given you. And especially, it seems, like I said, when you're standing up next to someone who is so awesome, instead of looking at to them maybe as a mentor, I remember when learning guitar, I would YouTube these guys. And after I realized, you know what, I want to be like these guys. If these guys are so good, I'm going to start learning their licks, start learning their how they do things so I can get better at the talent that God has given me. Now, the second excuse would be, my talents aren't important. So maybe you're like, okay, I do have a gift. It's a small one, but I feel like it's not that important. Sometimes we, you know, we know we should be doing more, but we feel like the gifts that we have isn't good enough. And I just want to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. And then we're going to jump down to 14 through 18. I tried finding videos for you guys for these instead of me reading them, but couldn't find any. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. It says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, will that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how could you 
smell. All right, I think I'm jumping around. Sorry, guys. But your, our body has many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. I'm going to need two volunteers. I love doing this example every time I do it. I thought about grabbing some... Uh, Oh, you guys are up front. All right, come here. Pastor Neil volunteered you guys. If you guys will come up here. For now, you'll come up next. All right. Close your eyes real fast. All right, let me show you where I'm going to put it at least. There that is. Yep. Take a peek. Take a peek real fast. I'll let you peek. There, there it is. A cup of water. Close your eyes and no hands and take a drink. No hands. Yeah, take a drink. You wanted to volunteer for this. Yep. No hands, no hands. Careful, don't spill my drink. Got it, got it. All right. Deb, come on up here real fast. I'm not going to make you do that. It's going to be a. Stay up here, Pastor Neil. All right, Deb, you're going to be the eyes. You're going to close your eyes, and you're going to be her hands. So what you're going to do is you're going to turn around. Good thing you guys are married. You're going to put your arms out like this. Stick your arm. Uh, yep, stick your arms through. There you go. Okay. Take a drink now. You're the eyes. So you're going to have to keep it PG-30. This is why we take the kids out. <laughs> No, no, Deb will take the drink. I'm going to put it in her mouth. Yep, you, you, can tell, you can guide him with your mouth if you like. <laughs> Boom. All right, you guys can sit down. You guys can give them a round of applause. She just signatured my cup with lipstick, though. How much easier, I mean, imagine, you know, you take out your hand, you take out your eyes. It was It's a lot difficult than just walking over with hands, eyes, ears, you know, all your senses, just make sure I don't get the lipstick. <laughs> and taking a drink, it's a lot easier. Regardless, your fingers, you know, there are small parts that don't seem as important, but they're still very important because we're better together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 19-22, it says, How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Wouldn't that be weird if all of a sudden your one finger is like, ah, you know, there's nine more of you. I don't need to be a finger. Or your eyes, like your left eye is like, oh, you already have a right eye. Why, why do you need me? It just takes off, right? It's a lot easier, regardless how small, like the toe. Have you ever stubbed your toe, your pinky toe? It takes the whole body down. I don't know about you guys, but I stubbed my toe on the edge of a counter or a table. I dropped me almost to my knees in tears when you stub really good. I mean, it makes, it makes a, I don't know about you, but it makes a pastor almost swear sometimes when you, you go to the stub and it drops you to your knees. It hurts so bad, right? It, it seems so... It, you know, not that important, that one little toe by itself, but when it comes together, is very important. There's not one talent or gift that you have that isn't important, regardless of how small you might think it might be. 
Because every part, every gift is important. Which kind of leads to the next excuse, which is, I would do that, but someone already does it. Kind of back to the, the eyes. It would be like your one eye saying, why work? You already have an eye, right? But when you have both eyes, it works better. It's like on a worship team. Me, Neil, and actually Craig. Craig today, but usually Neil. We play guitar, right? There's two guitar players up here. Sometimes we have two keyboard people, or we have multiple singers, right? Why, why, would, why should I play guitar if there already is another guitar player up here, right? It's because Neil and Craig bring a unique style, a unique flair to the team that I can't bring. So God has a unique flair on the talents. Even though your talent might be the same or your gift might be the same as someone else, he's giving you a unique flair about how you use that talent, which is needed. Um, Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Another reason why it's so important to have the si multiple people with the same talents is iron sharpens iron. I don't know about you, but there's multiple times when me, Neil, or Craig were up here jamming, or Tommy on the drums were jamming up here just before or after practice on a Saturday, or after you guys all run out of here after church service, and we'll stay here and we might be still jamming. And I, it's in those moments when I'm listening to Neil or Neil's listening to me or, or we're listening to Craig that we're, we're sharpening each other, making each other better together. Even though we have the same talents, there's things that I love that Neil does. And I try copying, and there's some things I can't copy. There's probably some things that I hope that Neil sees that he loves. I've seen you steal a couple of my riffs. It's all right. And that he loves, and there's some things he can't do that I can't do. It's because each one of us are unique, but at the same time, we need each other regardless if we have the same talents or gifts. Um, Pastor Dave, he pays or he used to pay people, successful people that he wanted to be like, he'd pay them for his time, for their time so he can sit there and just chat with them and learn from them because he knew that if he got around other people that he wanted to be like or people who he was like, that he would get better because it's iron sharpens iron. God has designed us to be better together. So, we, so the excuse that I would do that, but someone already is doing that, is so foolish and alive from uh, saying, because if, if Neil and Craig were to say, hey, you know what, Denny's already up there playing guitar, or if Aaron, it's like Tommy's already up there playing guitar, if Crystal, when Amy's up here, is already singing and leading worship, why would I have to lead worship, or why would I have to play p piano? then it would leave us at a disadvantage because we want to be able to learn from other unique styles that flares that God has placed within the church. So your talent, regardless of how insignificant that you think it might be or, of, or how many talents of the same thing that's out there, God needs you regardless if you think it's small. Maybe um, preachers, well, we have uh, me, Pastor Neil, Pastor Brenda. There's a lot of other people that like to talk in here. Uh, one day Dominic, right, Dominic, Jason, Brittany. There's a lot of people that like to talk, but can you imagine if we only had one person always preaching? It's kind of cool that our churches, we have so many different talents that so you can hear different. Um, I don't know about you, but like when I'm uh, listening to other pastors, I love listening to Pastor Brenda. I love listening to Pastor Neil, but I also, one of my favorite pastors to listen to is Steve Furtrick, which, you know, on my phone, YouTube, boom, I steal almost all his stuff for the youth group. So if you guys want to get ahead of me, that's where you go with Steve Pertrick. But 
I mean, because different styles benefit each one of us. Um, the next excuse would be, I'm not good enough. Exodus 4, verse 10. It says, and this is Moses and God. It says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. God came to Moses and said, Moses, I want you to lead Israel out of Egypt so they can go into the promised land. And Moses, I can understand Moses, because you guys know my story. I've told you guys multiple times. Moses, you know, he says, God, I can't talk that well. I remember multiple times when I went to, uh, when I was called into ministry and I knew that's, I wanted to pursue that, but I hate it. I was super shy, still super shy. I hate standing in front of people at the time. I hate talking in front of people. It just, I mean, I'd be hiding behind this thing the whole time. I, I remember when the first couple times that Pastor Neil ever had me preach, I would be extremely nervous. I mean, I'd have to ask Pastor Neil to give me like a couple months in prep time so I can get a message ready and stuff. And now like Pastor Brenda just asked me last week to do this. And anyway, so I understand Moses when he's sitting there saying, God, I cannot lead these people. I can't. And it was said that it was a million people that he was supposed to lead into the promised land. And if we pick up in verse 11 and 12, it says, then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. So God's promise, if, if you feel like you're not good enough, God's promise is he's going to be with you. In uh, the discipleship classes that we've been doing with the youth in the back, we've been talking about character and anointing and how you can't have one without the other. And anointing is the favor and blessing of God's hand on your life on something. So when you're doing the gift, when you're working in the talent that God has given you, he's with you. His blessing and his favor is on your life to do that talent, regardless of how small you might think it is or how insignificant you might think it is or how many people are doing it. If you're doing what God has called you to do in your giftings and your talents, his, his anointing will be on your life, his hand his blessing, he'll be with you, helping you, guiding you to fulfill the call that God has called you to do in your life. In 2 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Notice what he said, God has given us everything we need to live this life. So the talents that God has already given you, because in the beginning I said, God has given each one of us talents. He has given you everything you need to fulfill your call that God has called you to with your talents and your gifts. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory, glory and excellence. See, when Moses was confronted by God and God said, I want you to lead my people, it wasn't, as soon as he got up and left, it wasn't, Moses by himself. It wasn't like, hey, Moses, I'll see you after you die. I'll come back once you're dead. We'll talk and have him talk about how good you did. No. As soon as he called and commissioned him, God went with Moses and anointed him and 
had his hand of favor on his life, and he guided him. Moses, I don't know about you, and nor in Scripture prior to that, Moses never led a million people before that. But at the same time, when Moses did lead the people, he led with excellence. I mean, I think, according to Scripture, he only made one mistake, really. One big, big mistake, but he only made one mistake. I don't know about you, but as a leader, he already, he's already beaten me. <laughs> so then that's because he spent time with God, that he allowed that when God had called him, he took, um, he believed what he said. And the last excuse is I'm too young or I'm too old to do that. I'm too young or I'm too old to do that. First Timothy 4, chapter 4, verse 12. It says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live in your love, your faith, and your purity. What's cool about this is this is almost like a cultural perspective when Paul wrote this to Timothy. Because, he, I mean, you don't know how old Paul was and you don't know how old Timothy was. How I look at it is kind of like um, it's Pastor, oh, sorry, Pastor Neil. But Pastor Neil looking at Pastor Brenda and saying, you know, you're not too young. And it's like Pastor Brenda looking at me and saying, you're not too young to preach. It's, see, you're not too young at whatever age you are to do what God has called you to do in that gifting. Jeremiah chapter 1, 6 through 7 says, Oh, sovereign Lord. And this is Jer Jeremiah. God had just told Jeremiah to be a prophet. And also, and this is Jeremiah's response. He says, O Sovereign Lord, and it's in Jeremiah chapter 1, 6 through 7. O Sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. See, God has given each one of us a gift, a talent to use for his glory. And it, you don't have the right to say you're too young to start using it. Um. What's cool, too, is we can look at, uh, in pa uh, Pastor Neil's words, we got to put our spiritual cap on here for a second. But this is also talking to us in a spiritual sense. Because once you first get saved in Scripture, you're considered a baby Christian. Think about this. Um, that when it says, O sovereign Lord, I say, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Then the Lord replied, don't say, I'm too young. Think about that. If you just came to the Lord and God's saying to you, you're not too young. You don't have to be a Christian as long as so-and-so. You don't have to have this much experience because I have called you. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you, regardless if you just got saved yesterday, regardless if you're only 12. And a lot of scholars say Jeremiah was possibly only 12 or 14 when God told him this. In order, in, in order to grow up spiritually, too, is, it's kind of like um, you've you got to have the faith and take action to do something. I love uh, going to the gym and working out, and uh, I'm on this new program, and there's, you know, you got the bench where you lay down flat and you push weight up, and then there's an incline bench. And I remember when I first started, I'm not going to tell you the weight, because some of you guys would be like, wow, that's a lot, and some of you guys would be like, that's it? So... I started with this weight, 
And uh, I remember pushing it up, and after a couple of weeks, it's getting you know more. I'm able to have more and more and more weight. And I remember I took a couple of weeks off so I can because I had to do some things with the new house that we were getting. And I remember going back to that incline bench and trying to push up that same thing that I was at and not even close. Thank God there was no one in the room because I, I seriously, I went to push it up. I couldn't get it up. It came back down. And I usually don't leave the clips on it just in case this situation happens so I can dump the plates off. had to dump the one off so I could get it back up. And, yeah, I was not, thank God I wasn't embarrassed because there was no one in the room besides me. I like to go when there's no one, so I feel like I'm the biggest one in the room. But that's same with spirit, with our spiritual lives. That regardless if you're a baby Christian or now, if you just came to the Lord, God is telling you to use your talent so that He can grow you in that talent. You can't, you can't grow in something that you don't use. If I was to never practice my guitar, if I was never to preach on Thursday nights, I would. I'd probably not be up here preaching. I would definitely not be up there playing guitar because I never developed the skill that God has given me. Which comes back to character. But in Acts chapter 2, 17 through 18, so that's for the young people. Now for the, I don't know, the more wise people, the older <laughs> Acts chapter 2 one, one day I'll be up there too so i got to start being careful I reap what I sow so. I already have kids saying I'm too I'm getting old I'm only 25 i got to shave this beard Acts chapter 2 17-18 it says in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit upon all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I decided to do some digging in the scripture verse and visions and dreams to see what was, because I mean, vision of dreams. There's only one thing when you study this out in the Greek that there's a difference. Visions is what happens. And what's funny is it says for young people will see visions and for scripture, it says, what is it, uh, old men. I was just reading scripture, old men will dream dreams. So young people see visions, and visions is what happens is when you're awake. Kind of like when you see that teenager just daydreaming, right? Dreams happen when you're sleeping. It's funny that God says, you know what, I understand you're getting older. You can take your naps. It's all right, because we'll, we'll talk during those dreams. So God's not done with you yet. I'm just, that's literally the only difference in translation when you study that out in visions and dreams is one's sleeping and one's not. So God, God's wanting to use every single person, young and old. And in Psalm 71, verse 18, and this is King David talking, and he's starting to get older now. He's not young. He's not able to slay the giants like he used to. But it says, now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to the this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Oftentimes we say we want to be like David because in scripture it says David was a man after God's own heart. And the re one of the reasons why God said that about David is because in his old age, he was still seeking, still serving, using the gift that God called him to, which was king of Israel at the time, 
to still, he was still using his gift for his, the glory of God. So regardless of how old you may feel or how young you may feel, God still wants you to use your gift. In Joshua chapter 14, and this guy's a character, Caleb, he's 85 years old. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 14, 6 through 13. It says, a delegation from the tribe of Judah, led, led by Caleb, son of Jephram, the, here comes a lot of big words, Kinzezite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses. So Moses has passed away. Joshua is now uh, leading Israel, and Jacob's pretty much kind of like his right-hand man. He was, you know, the 12 spies, they're the only two spies that came back with the good report while the other 10 gave a bad report. And so, and then during that time, Moses promised Caleb when he came back to the, gave those reports, he promised Caleb, you, you can have those mountains. So this is, now Caleb's coming to Joshua to hold him accountable for what Moses had said. So Caleb, son of Jeff, we'll skip all the big words, came to Joshua. Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kedeshar Benar. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kedeshar Benar to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my past, for my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that your descendants will forever own it because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised all these 45 years since Moses made the promise. 40 plus 45 is now 85. Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness today, I am 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak, which were the giants, living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephthah, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. So when Caleb was 85 years old, he was still holding on to the promises of God. And because he held on to the promises of God, he, he was able to charge into that land, take out giants, take down these uh, great walls. And it says that if you were to keep reading in that scripture, that they had that land all the way up until uh, Babylon and took it all, which was many, many years they had it. So what's your excuse? He was 85 years old fighting giants. Um, I just want to look at some, if you guys get put up that PowerPoint, I want to look at some famous people or some people outside of the Bible. Harlan Sanders, better known as, was 62 when he franchised Kentucky Fried Chicken in 1952. He sold the franchise business for 2 million and 12 years old. So he, he didn't come into very, a lot of success until he was 62 years old. He didn't, he didn't say, you know, because he always did business, if you were to read his uh, biography. 
but he kept using the gift that was placed on his life. And at 62 is when it really launched. The next slide, Ray Kroc. You guys can click that next one. You got to see the pictures because there we go. Ray Kroc spent his career as milkshake device salesman before buying McDonald's at age 52. In 1954, he grew it into the world's biggest, fastest food franchise, Jack Cover. I'll just say the name and you guys keep going for it. Jack Cover worked as a scientist for an institution, including NASA and IBM, before he became a successful entrepreneur at 50 for investing the taser gun or for inventing the taser gun in 1970. Julie Child worked in advertising media before writing her first cookbook when she was 50, launching her career as celebrity chef in 1961. This is one of my favorite ones here. I'm just going to say his last name. Oh, maybe, oh, I guess it's out there. Uh, Mamo Puki Ando. Uh, he created... He was well-known in the junk food history for making instant ramen at age 48 in 1958. Jack Well was 45 when he founded what became the most popular cowboy wear brand, Rock Mount Ranch Wear. He remained its CEO until he died at a ripe old age of 107 in 2008. Ripe old age. That's what I'm going to say about myself when I'm that age. Henry Ford was 45 when he created, oh, how did that get in there? <laughs> Sorry, guys. You guys going to go to the next one. Henry Ford was 45 when he created the revolutionary Model T car in 1908. Sam Walton had a fairly successful retail management career in his 20s and 30s, but his path to uh, great success began at age 44 when he founded the first Walmart in Rogers, Arkansas in 1962. And my, the last one and my favorite one, which is Stan Lee, created his first hit comic, The Fantastic Four, just shy of his 39th birthday in 1961. Then he continues to make comic books. In the next few years, he created the legendary Marvel Universe, whose characters such as Spider-Man and X-Men became American culture's icons. Those were, I mean, those people didn't get, you guys can get rid of those. Those people didn't give up when they got old. They kept pursuing the gifts that were on their life, and that's what made them successful. A couple young famous people, I didn't put them up there for your guys' sake, Justin Bieber. And then Grace, who just won America's Got Talent, right? That Grace Van Vanderbilt, age 12. Amazing singer, beat out tons of people because she was willing to, Pursue her gift regardless of her age. So in closing, your gifts and talents that God has given don't stop once you have retired or don't start after you have reached a certain age because you ne you're never too young or too old. So if I can have Craig come on up. Is Craig in here? There he is. Or actually, I can just have the worship team come up. I'm going to end with one last passage. And it's in Luke chapter 14, 16 through 21. I'm going to end with one of Jesus' parables. So it's Luke chapter 14, 16 through 21. 
So Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come to the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife so I can come, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. God is fed up with the excuses that each one of us are trying to make about our treasures, about our time, and about our talents on our lives. The, the story that Jesus told us, which was describing families, hobbies, and works as excuses to why they were not doing what God had called them to do with their treasures, with their, with their um, time, and with their talents. Um, if I can have everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed real fast. And if I can have uh, the prayer team come on up. Because um, making excuses, according to scripture, is a sin. If God has placed resources in your life, God has given us time, as Pastor Brenda said, each one of us has the same amount of time, 24 hours in a day. And God has given each one of us talents to use. And then how dare us make excuses and why we're not using these things to glorify God or in our daily lives. Rather, if we're, we're maybe we feel like we don't have any talents or rather we feel like our talents insignificant or rather if um, we feel like we're too old or too young because God has given those and he's not taking those back until we're, we leave the earth. So we're going to be held accountable for what we do with those. So as I close, I just want to um, challenge you guys with three things. And the first thing is to stop making excuses for you not needing Jesus. The very first lie that Satan told to Adam and Eve is that you don't need God. You can do this by yourself. So I want to tell you that regardless of how old you are or how young you are, everyone needs God. Everyone needs his help. And if you want to make a decision to accept him as your Lord and Savior and say, God, you know what? I'm tired of making excuses. I'm tired of doing life by myself. And you've, and you've never accepted him into your life before. And you want to do it for the very first time today. Raise your hand right now. Everybody's eyes is closed. Heads are bowed. If you want to accept Christ into your life for the very first time, raise your hand. And maybe, or maybe, you know, you, you've been a Christian for a while and you decided to do your own thing. And you want to you, you wanna stop making excuses and come back and make him first in your life. Raise your hand right now. And then the last one is for the Christians who wants to stop making excuses with the talents God has given you. We all in some area in our life
make excuses. I make excuses in certain things that God has called me to do. But today I'm going to challenge you guys, encourage you guys. If you're, you're saying, you know what, I'm done making excuses. I'm going to raise the bar. I'm going to go to the next level regardless of how young I am, regardless of how old I am, regardless of where I'm at in life. I'm going to move on. I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm going to rewrite my story with God. I challenge you to stand up and come forward and find one of these guys. And, and it's not it's not uh, embarrassing to come up here to get prayed for. We all need prayer. What's cool, like I always tell the youth, is we're already up here, or else all of us would be coming up here right now to get prayed for. So if you want to stop making excuses with the treasures, with your time, and with the talents that God has placed in your life, I challenge you to come up here, be held accountable with one of these people as they pray for you. Or if you want to accept Jesus Christ into your life for the very first time, or rededicate your life, come up here and tell one of these guys and let them pray with you. So I'm just going to say a prayer in closing, and I challenge you guys to get up, come forward, get some prayer before closing, and I'm going to hand it over at ministry time to Pastor Neil. Dear Heavenly Father, Help us just to be challenged by this series, No More Excuses, Father. Help us to be able to raise the bar and go to the next level, Lord, in our in our treasure, in our time, and in our talents, Father, Lord. Help us stop, to, stop feeling insignificant in what we have, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's not about what we have, but it's about how we use it, Father, for you, Lord. So help us just to today make that stand, Father, and challenge ourselves and be held accountable, Father, for what we have and how we use it. In your mighty name, amen. Call you forward. No more excuses. No more excuses.